Oh, come on. Good morning, everybody. Hey, we're awake. We're there. How are you guys? How amazing was that worship? Can we just make some noise for the band, for the worship team? Come on. It's so good. Um, it's so good. So I'm really excited to be among you guys and be here. Um, I'm the pastor, lead pastor of a small little Baptist church in a village called Gamlingay. Gamlingay Baptist Church, they send their greetings to you. But already you're probably thinking, oh no, small church, small Baptist church, and is this guy super awkward and traditional? No. The church is, I'm not, we're on a journey. Um, and I'm really excited. Jow's uh, invited me to come be a part and, and minister with you guys this morning. And uh, it's an absolute honor and privilege to be here, so thank you. Um, and also, I, did, I, I didn't say this first service, but I have to say it now. I don't know how much you guys know how awesome your pastor is. Um, and I'm so just going to take a quick moment to just say, like, he is an awesome, he didn't ask me, he's not paying me to do this, uh, he's not asking me to do it, but can you all just make some noise? Um, he's a man who's truly after the heart of God and is, is seeking to do so much, and that's just an amazing thing. Um, and you'd think that's the heart of every pastor, but I've come a lot, across a lot that, that aren't like that. But anyway, um, to give you a bit of my background, I sound American, but I'm not, I'm a fake American, there's a whole story there, but I'm a rosy baby, born in Cambridge, any other rosy babies? Oh, there we go. So you know what I'm talking about. Everybody who's not, they're like, what's a rosy baby? If you know, you know, that's cool. Uh, I'm also really blessed to say that I'm married and have three amazing children. Um, there they are on the screen. Aren't they just gorgeous and the cutest you've ever seen? Uh, my wife, Amanda, eldest, Lilia, middle, Evelyn, and Josiah is our youngest, who's 15 months. Uh, he has had a haircut since then, so he looks a little bit more boyish <laughs> than normal. Um, they were planning on being here this morning, but unfortunately, due to car issues, we couldn't all make it here. So they send their love and regards as well. Um, but it was, it was on holiday with the family this past summer. So we went uh, away for a couple of weeks at the beginning of September. And during this time, there was this band called Ren Collective. You guys know who Ren Collective is? Any fans of Rent Collective? Woohoo! There's like one or two. Yeah. They launched this new project called Renko Kids. Have you guys heard of this? So Renko Kids is essentially Rent Collective doing worship stuff for kids. And a lot, I mean, it's pretty straightforward, I guess, in terms of the name. But in terms of their, their promo for it, they released a little video. Uh, and in that video, they were, they were talking about what they were doing. And they were like, hey, you know, as, as we've had kids, we've, we've realized and grown with them that we need to pr provide and create and worship God in a way that's great for them. And there's, there's good kids worship that needs to come. And my heart kind of sank. My, my cynical side went, oh, it's going to be really cheesy kids songs. And I really like Run Collective. And they're going to ruin what they've done. Um, and then... Part of the video, they said, was actually, we, we've started in a place of a theology of fun. And my heart kind of really was challenged because I was, you know, I've studied theology and, and, and we all do in some way, shape, or form when we dive into scripture. But you don't often hear anybody say, hey, let's talk about the theology of fun. And the cynical side of me said, oh, it's going to be a rubbish album. It's going to be happy, clappy, jumpy, jumpy. But actually, it's really full-on theological. It's about God. It's about Jesus. And I was challenged that why we don't talk about a theology of fun is because we've forgotten that God made us to be fun. Some of you guys are like, what? God created us to be fun. He is fun, and therefore we are called to be fun and fun and joyful and excited. But even that, you guys are like, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Why are you? We're going to talk about joy today, if you hadn't yet picked up on it. Hey, yay, someone in the back. 
the thing is, I genuinely believe that we're called to be fun. We're called to live in the joy of the Lord. But we've forgotten to do that so often. I actually wonder how much we talk about other things with joy and fun than we do about our own faith. We're going to talk about scripture, and we're going to unpack some of it, and I'm going to ask a few questions throughout, and hopefully God will speak through that. We're going to turn to Psalm 95, if you want to turn on your Bibles or open them uh, to that, that section. Um, we're going to read that, but before I unpack that and go through it, I just want to pray, if that's okay. Is that cool with you guys? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can be here this morning to worship you, to hear from you. God, we thank you that you are among us right now. Lord, I pray that as we turn to your word, you would speak to us. Lord, that as, as I share what you've put on my heart, God, the words that come out of my mouth would be of you. And if they're not of you, Lord, may they not exit my mouth. But if I force them, may they not reach our ears. Because, Lord, we want to hear from you and you alone. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you this because of him that we're here this morning. And it's in his precious name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to turn to Psalm 95. I'm reading from the NIV. You might have your preference. Beautifully from the Psalm 95, most things are pretty close there, but do pick up on any differences if you like. But it says this, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massah in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation, and I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Amen. Now, some of you guys are a little bit confused because the, the beginning half of that scripture was like, yeah, joy, excitement, woo! Second half, you're like, oh, hold on a second. I'd not enter into his, I'd wanna, I want to enter into his peace. I want to be in his rest. I want to be in his presence. Hold on. And you see, this psalm is divided into two sections. The first is very much kind of a, a hey, for the record, as, as, as followers of God, we are meant to do this. The second half is a bit of a warning. Psalm 95 is part of a grouping of psalms called the enthronement psalms. So Psalm 93 and the 95 through 99 are called enthronement psalms because they declare the fact that God is king above all. Yes? I'm not sure you're convinced. God is king above all. Yes? There we go. And these psalms declare that. These psalms declare the fact that he is enthroned in his throne above all else. So this psalm sits really nicely in that section. But right off the bat, we're going to dive straight in. The first two verses, we see David, who is 
who we believe is the author of this psalm, gives us like right off the bat things that we should be doing. He says, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol with music and song. Right off the bat, we see the psalmist is saying that we are called to sing, to shout, to give thanks, and to extol. Right off the bat. But we're about to, we're about to realize that maybe we don't do that as often as we should. Now, I know people who sing during worship times, none of y'all here, don't worry, who are kind of not really joyous. Y- you know who I'm talking about. The, the person who's kind of there and is like, yeah, praise Jesus. Mm-hmm. I love you, Lord. Uh-huh. But there's no joy. Like, if somebody were to see that person worshiping God, their creator, their maker, they'd be like, dude, do you love him? Like, Are you happy that you know Jesus? Because the way they're worshiping isn't. I know people who will shout about their hobbies more than they will anything else. I know a person who's so in love with their stamp collection that every time you sit down with this person, they will tell you about their stamps. Anybody know somebody like that? Maybe it's not stamps. Maybe it's cars or video games or technology or clothes. But they don't shout about Jesus. We're called to shout aloud. And then we see that we're called to give thanksgiving. How often in our prayer time do we come to God with a list of demands? Lord, I need you to pull me out of this pit. Lord, I need help with this. Lord, I need you to help me forgive this person who's an absolute jerk. I need you to help me with my exam. Hey, Lord, I need you to help me with this person at work. I need you to... But then we forget. We forget to give him thanks. We forget to say, hey, God, you know what? Thank you. Sometimes we're good. Some of, some of y'all might be thinking, hold on. Uh-uh, that's not true of me because I give thanks all the time. Because when he pulled me out of that pit, I said, amen, thank you, Lord. And yeah, you know what? That's great. But also, we're called to give thanks daily on a regular basis. How, when was the last time you just said, hey, thanks? Thanks that I woke up this morning. Thanks that I have oxygen in my lungs. Thanks that I have a community of people who love me. Hey, thanks that you gave Jesus your son for me. Oftentimes, we go into everything else except for thanking God. And then, maybe we've gone through singing. Maybe we see ourselves singing a little bit. Maybe we see ourselves shouting a lot a little bit more. Maybe we see ourselves giving thanks. But then we get to this word extol. And I know a lot of people who use this word a lot, you know, especially in a traditional church like I come from, we're going to extol the Lord today. You go, what does that mean? What does extol mean? Enthusiastically praise. We're called to enthusiastically praise God. I find it incredibly ironic that most people that I know that would use the word extol do not extol the Lord. We're called to enthusiastically praise Now, some of y'all are sitting there going, nah, but I don't do that. Mm -mm, That's not me. Some of y'all are probably even thinking, well, Adrian, it's easier for you because of, you know, your culture. You are American. Well, I'm not, first of all. But second of all, that is a cultural thing that we're talking about on this world, worldly culture. I've often been told by so many British people, the British don't do that. We are stiff upper lipped. And how, how uncouth, how disrespectful for you to jump around with such joy and be so loud. 
I'm sure that's not y'all. That's a terrible British accent as well, but we'll move away from that. I'm sure that's not you guys, but I've heard people say to me repeatedly, even now, I've been back in this country 11 and a half years, and still to this day I say, the, way you, the reason you do what you do is because you're American. And actually, I want to push back and say that's a worldly culture thing that we're talking about. But if you're a Christian, you love Jesus, you're part of the kingdom culture. And kingdom culture is not this tight-lipped, stiff-lipped, upper, whatever you want to call it. It is joyously praising the Lord. Y'all are all sitting there going, "Mm mm-mm, whatever, whatever. How often are we actually singing, shouting, giving thanks, and enthusiastically praising? Now y'all are probably thinking, oh, he just wants us to be just like him. No, no, I don't. Don't mishear what I'm saying. I don't want you to jump around like me or talk like me or walk like me because one of me is enough. But God made you. You were way too quick on that, Giles. (laughs) He's like, yes, I can't wait for him to leave. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. But one of me is enough. God didn't make a thousand Adrians or seven billion Adrians. He made us all individual and unique. He made you, you, but he made you to sing, to shout, to give thanks, and to enthusiastically praise. Are you going to do that? I heard a yes. But that yes was very yes. Are you going to enthusiastically praise? And some of y'all are like, just because he's asking me to, I'm going to say yes now. But as soon as I walk out of this building, it's over. The reality is, is that it's easy sometimes in this place to do these things. But we're not called to do this just in church on a Sunday or at Profusion on a Tuesday or at Awaken or at a small group or Bible study. We're called to do this every day. We're called to do this in the midst of our exams. We're called to do this in the midst of work with that one boss who just drives us absolutely up the wall. We're called to do this when you just can't be bothered to get up. We're called to do this when your tires blow out. We're called to do this when life is absolute rubbish. We're called to sing aloud. And if we're not doing that, I have to ask the question, have we lost our joy and enthusiasm for the Lord? Have you lost your joy? Have you lost your enthusiasm? We'd love to say, no. We, everything in us goes, of course I haven't, because I love Jesus. I love what he's done for me. But is your life reflecting that? Are you shouting louder about your stamps or your cars or your hobbies than you are about Jesus? Because if you are, I'm going to say there's a bit of something gone wrong. Now, I need to caveat this talk right here at this point in time because some of you might be going through depression or mental health issues and really sitting there going, hold on a second, Adrian. I would love to just flip a switch and be joyous. But I can't do it. It's not that simple. It's not that easy. And please hear, I'm not saying that if you're in the middle of depression that you're just going to go, hey, I love Jesus. Come on. But what I am saying is that the Bible teaches us that as we worship God, as we praise him, he, God, creator, almighty, inhabits our praise. And so when I'm down here and I'm in the midst of my darkness and I can't see the light ahead of me because I'm in the midst of depression because life is absolute crap. In this moment in time, God is with me. Jesus is with me by his spirit. He is walking with me. And as I praise him, he will guide me out of the darkness. And for some, that'll be, boom, you're released within a second. 
And for others, you have a long journey to go through. And we see that in Scripture. We see that Scripture people struggled and battled. Look at Job. But Job never stopped praising. Those in Scripture never stop giving thanks. They have their moments with God. Have your moment. (laughs) But worship Him. Praise Him. Sing. Shout. Give thanks. And enthusiastically praise. And the thing is, you might be sitting there going, okay, Adrian, I get it. That's that's what I have to do. But why should I do it? (laughs) What's so big and important about these things? Why? My answer isn't just going to be because the Bible says so. (laughs) David, who wrote this psalm, incredibly, right after he says what we should be doing, tells us why. The first point he makes is, the Lord is king above all gods. The Lord is king above all gods. Now, that's like a duh thing for us as Christians, yeah? You're going to go, well, duh. Yeah. I mean, I only became a Christian yesterday, but I know that because that's what's taught in every Bible, in every Sunday school. From every, Lord, he's king above all. But does your life reflect it? Now, you might be thinking, well, I'm not a Muslim or I'm not a Hindu or a Sikh, so I don't worship another god. So, yes, I've put my god, our god, above all other gods. But what about the god of money? Or the God of popularity. The God of chasing likes on Instagram or Facebook. Are you worshiping your God here as king above all else, but then going home and saying, hey, how many likes and popularity am I building myself up in over here? Are you, are you actually going back to work saying, I need a raise right now because it's more about my job and about my money than it is anything else? Is he your king above all other gods. Now for some of us, that answer might be, yeah. And for others of us, we're going to be like, oh, on a Sunday, yeah? During perfusion when I'm worshiping, yeah? With my Christian friends, absolutely. But then actually, when I'm at work or at school or at college or whatever, no, not really. Is God your everything? And he above all else. Because see, David continues, apart from saying that he is above all, because he is the creator of the universe, creator of everything, rivers, mountains, all that stuff. He also then says that we have to bow down before him. That we're called to bow down before God. And the thing is that when you bow down before somebody, you elevate who you're bowing down to. And if you walk out of this place... And you start bowing down to social media. You start bowing down to work. You start bowing down to the love of money. You start bowing down to the love of material things, whatever it may be. Addictions. You're elevating those other things above God. And that's not what we're called to do. When was the last time that you bowed down before God? When was the last time that you genuinely said, Lord, you are above everything? Earlier during worship, we sang a song about bowing down. And during first service, I, I didn't bow down during that song because I, was, I kind of felt self-conscious of like, what's everybody going to think about me? Is everybody going to judge me? Are they going to think, oh, he's so holy? And during the second service, I was like, I'm gonna, I feel called to bow down. I'm, I'm singing, I'm going to bow down. So I bow down, and I can guarantee that one, at least one person in this room looked over and saw me and went, oh, isn't he holy? No. He thinks he's someone special. But the thing is, it's not about y'all. When I bow down, it's not about you. 
It's not, I don't, in the nicest way possible, I like to be liked, but I don't care what you think about me. Me bowing down is about me saying, God, you're above all else. You are my king of kings. You are above everything. When was the last time you bowed down? Now, some of you might never bow down. Some of you might be like, I love jumping around in worship. And then it slows down. I go, okay, I'll wait. When was the last time you bowed down and said, God, you're above everything else? Physically and spiritually. These are truths that are hard for us to take on board because we don't like to bow down. Because bowing down elevates something else above us. And so the moment you bow down, you're saying something else is more important than you. Now in this case, we're saying God is more important than us. And hopefully we believe that. But when you're doing it in front of other people, other people are then for also taller than you, bigger than you, and you feel self-conscious. You're, well, does that mean that they're, big, they're better than me? They're bigger than me? And what is it going to think? And what are they going to think of me? And we don't like being lower than anything or anyone. But we're called to. We're called to sing, to shout, to give thanks, to enthusiastically praise because God is above us. And we need to bow down to him. Now, some of y'all are thinking, Adrian, this is, this is basic stuff. This is Christian faith 101. Yeah. Yet somehow we're forgetting to do so much of it. On a Sunday, you're there. But what about Monday through Saturday? What about in those situations where you're in that dark pit? Are you still worshiping? Are you still shouting aloud? Are you still bowing before him? And then David goes on, after telling us what we should be doing. I mean, if that's not like a challenge enough, you're kind of going, oh, okay. I mean, it's great. I want to sing for joy. I want to be joyous. I want to be like, come on. And again, some of you guys are thinking it's just because he's American, but we're going to move past that. And then he goes on to say this massive section of warning, starting at verse 8. Today, if only you would hear his voice. Pause for a second. You can't hear the voice of a person you don't know. You can't hear and distinguish the voice of somebody you don't know. Until I stood up on this stage and you knew who I was, you wouldn't have been able to tell my voice from anybody else's. Now, in coffee later, you'll be like, oh my gosh, I can hear him coming. Run the other way. But you only know that because there is a form of relationship. You might not know me super well, but we have established a relationship. For you to continue to know my voice, we need to keep that going. You need to have a relationship with God to hear his voice. And his warning goes, if only you could hear it. Like, guys, come on, he's calling you, he's speaking to you. If only you could hear it. If only you could hear his voice. And then God goes on to say, don't harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did at that day at Massah in the wilderness. God is talking about the Israelites during the Exodus period where God released them, set them free by amazing, miraculous ways. Who here wouldn't love to see the Red Sea parted and pillars of of cloud and fire and food raining down from heaven? You'd be like, come on, God, yes, amazing. Just me? Apparently it's just me. Nobody else wants to see the miraculous. That's fine. I would be super stoked. But the thing is that the Israelites were super stoked and super thankful but then they forgot. Even though they'd seen what, they, what, what God had done for them, they completely started to ignore God. They, they built their own flipping idol. 
They stopped elevating God above all else. They stopped bowing down to worship and they stopped singing and shouting aloud and enthusiastically praying. They stopped giving thanks. And God got angry. And in his anger, he declared, they shall never enter my rest. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be on the receiving end of God saying, you're not going to enter my rest. That's a challenging bit of scripture. Because we only think of God as this loving, happy, clappy God. And he is amazing, and he is loving, and his grace abounds so deeply. But he does also say, you got to follow me. you got to put me above all else. you got to praise me. you got to bow down before me. If there's something above me, guess what? we got to deal with it. And I think today there's some of us that have things above God. Some of us have to deal with some of that stuff. And you're probably scared and worried. You're going, oh, no, that means that I'm not a Christian. My salvation's hanging. Of course you're a flipping Christian. If you gave your life to Jesus and you love him, he loves you. But if something is hidden this morning, it's God saying, hey, you know that thing that you put above me? Let's deal with that. Let's get rid of it. Let's focus on me, he says. Focus on him. Because we're called to sing for joy. For joy. When I was a kid... I wasn't a Christian back then. I came to faith when I was 20. My mom sent me to a daycare center when we lived in Florida for a bit. It was a Christian daycare center. I don't think she knew that it was or she didn't care or everything in Florida because it's the South was Christian. I don't know. And there was a song that we sang there that I'd, I'd forgotten until I was on holiday with my family. And the song, joy, 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 down in my heart, down in, anybody else? Down in my heart, I got the joy, 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 down in my heart down in my heart to stay. I constantly have lived life with joy moments. As Christian, as a Christian, I've constantly had those moments of, you know what, this is joyous on a Sunday. This is joyous when I'm praising him. It's joyous when life is good. It's joyous when I see the miraculous. I've got the joy down in my heart for those moments. But it's to stay. It's to stay. It's through the good, through the bad, through the ugly. We are called to have that joy in our hearts to stay. Are you filled so much with God's spirit that you're so in love with him that you are worshiping him, singing for the joy, shouting aloud, thanking God, and enthusiastically praising, not just here but forever because the joy is in your heart to stay. I'm going to come into land now. I'm going to come into the end. You guys are kind of like, woohoo, thank goodness. I'm ready to go get some lunch. I'm hungry. Still talking about this joy stuff. I'm not feeling that, that joyful. I genuinely believe that God has a challenge for us this morning. To put him above all our situations. I genuinely believe that we're meant to be reminded to be joyous. And the thing is, when you, when you walk into worship spaces and you see the really crazy, oh, dancing, worshiping people over there, you kind of go, that's a bit weird. And then you got the people over here who are always joyous, always, oh, welcome, bless you. Oh, you're like, oh, they're a bit weird. But we're called to be like that. 
I'm going to end with a short little story uh, of a buddy of mine who was, well, he's, he was a buddy of mine. He was, a, he was my girlfriend's dad when I was um, 19. And I wasn't yet a Christian. I was on a journey. He was a Christian. Um, but he was a really annoyingly loving Christian. Everything was a moment of giving God the glory. Everything. To the point where one day he said, Adrian, i got to tell you something. I was like, okay. He's like, oh, God, is so good. And I'm not a Christian at this point. I'm like, yeah, okay, but how good is he? And he's like, oh, it's amazing, Adrian. I was at work. I was having a terrible day, rubbish situation. I just needed a break. And I said, Lord, just give me five minutes. And my manager walked up to me and he said, hey, Nate, go on your lunch break. And he was like, praise God. And I went, that's, that's not, I was like, Nate, he just gave you what you're legally obliged to have. How is that? A, but even in those moments, he had the joy of the Lord. Even in those moments, in everything, he gave praise and thanks. He was enthusiastic about it to the point of annoyance. But you know what? He had an impact on my life. Jesus shines through him. I'd love to tell you that he's still here, but unfortunately, um, when he was younger, he had to fall off the back of a truck and banged his head real bad, so he suffered from seizures and about five years ago passed away from a really bad seizure. But he's never left my heart or my mind because he knows how to let the joy be down in the heart to stay. And so today... You can clap it up for Nate. You can clap it up for Nate. So today I leave you with this. Genuinely, I'm walking off after this. Um, be reminded that God has done it everything for you. That he has literally created you. That he has created this world. And because of that, we have reason to praise him. So go and sing for joy. Go and shout aloud. Go and give thanksgiving. And enthusiastically enthusiastically, not because you're American, but because you're Christian, because you love Jesus, enthusiastically praise him, that the joy would be down in your hearts to stay. So we're going to spend some time now. I'm going to invite Giles back up, and we're going to spend some time in reflection and in prayer as well. I'm going to sing another song, but maybe God has said something to you this morning. Maybe you're sat there going, you know what? I do need joy. Maybe you're sat there going, you know what? I am so annoyed at this guy who I don't even know because he's talking about joy and I just don't feel joyous. How dare he? Or maybe you know that actually there are things that you're putting above God. That you need to reorder your life. The cool thing about God is that he wants to do that with you. He wants to do that with you. He wants to bless you. He wants to speak into your life. And so in a moment, we're going to open up. I think the prayer ministry team is going to be ready to pray. And if God has said anything to you this morning that you need prayer for, even if it's not about the talk, even if God just put something in your heart and your mind, you're like, I need to pray. Come on. But if there's something about this morning's talk that is resonant, I would love to pray with you as well. Because I, I believe that we're called to have that joy down in our hearts to stay forever and ever. Amen. Let's have, let's have the prayer team. Can we have that, guys? Just come forward. Um, while this is all going on, you know, there's... I mean, you might have been going through stuff this week, and this message has really spoken to you. Maybe it's not just this week. Maybe it's just... You've said, this is life. This is how life is. And I'm saying, no, it, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. 
So if you need prayer, I encourage you to, to come forward. Let's just, um, thank you, Darren, reminding me.